Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar De Jesus, And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. Today, we're talking to Haley Two, owner of Lavender Landscape. Haley is a pool builder in our industry, and we're going to talk and do a deep dive into her story of running a company led by women and how she got started in the industry. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk, and we ain't talking about denting and jetting and splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, Pool Invoice, Blu-ray XL, Aquastar Pool Products, and Pivot Pool Products. We want to thank them for their support. Zach, good morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry if I'm yelling at you. It's just been an absolutely crazy week. So for the last nine days here, Verizon has been changing out their hardware to update to 5G. So we have had no phone service for nine days at our shop. And it's literally like some sort of jammer. Like the minute we come in here, we lose cell service. So it's just been a real difficult time trying to navigate that. And then on top of it, we're getting some much needed rain the last few days because we've been having a drought. It's been real interesting the last week. Kind of crazy out there, Zach, but we normally talk, what, four or five times a week? This week we've talked maybe once? Yeah, straight to voicemail. Yeah, so you're confessing, so I'm going to believe you now. I thought during the week that you were just sending me to voicemail going, here comes Edgar again, let's not do this. John, good morning. I'm just trying to figure out, you guys talk four or five times a week, you call me like once every other week. What's the difference? Huh? Really? <laughs> oh, here's the difference. John and I do talk a lot, but John calls me this last night and he's like, hey, can you call me and wake me up in the morning? I'm like, what, dude, like what, what's going on? Like me calling you to wake you up? Well, like what's going on? I do make it sound so, I said, no way did I say that. Like, did you not ask me to call you to wake you up? I did, but not in that way. It's all how you, it's context. Okay. The delivery. It's how you lay it and deliver it. You make it so, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to get... What I say is every morning at 5.30, I wake up like clockwork. There is nothing in the world that can stop that. It doesn't matter if I go to bed at 8 o'clock at night or if I go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. I wake up at 5.30 and I guess as you get older, things change. It's not like it used to be. And I've always been a morning person. For some reason, 5.30, doesn't matter, never set an alarm clock, I wake up. But what I did tell you was this, I go... I know I'm going to wake up at 5.30 regardless, but it takes me a little bit longer to kind of get moving in the day. I need to drink coffee. I smoke like a pack of cigarettes. I have like a process or a ritual in the morning. And I said, if we get on at six o'clock, 
I might not be 100% awake. So do me a favor, shoot me a text message or call me. Or I said, call me at like 4.30 in the morning. And uh, you go, I'll text you first before I call. And then the minute you text me, what, within like 0.2 seconds, I gave you a thumbs up that I was up. Did I not... You make it sound like I need to be babysat. Haley, the way that this went down this morning is I called him up at five o'clock in the morning and I go, good morning, sunshine. <laughs> God. He was like, that's the best way to wake up, Edgar. I got to hear your crap all day and waking me up now. So <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, for sure. So it is a little bit early here, but I'm used to being early, but I'm not used to using my brain this early in the morning. Keep in mind this thing. We're still out servicing pools every day. And if I'm lucky, I'm out the door by 630 servicing pools and then you're just kind of in a trance and then by like eight o'clock in the morning you're 100 awake and you're ready to rock and roll and actually do some business but uh, i'm looking forward to this podcast it's good to be back on i know we've taken a couple weeks off or at least i have from edgar's vacation and then last week i wasn't able to make it but this week i really wanted to be here because i can't wait to hear the story i think your guys's story is pretty amazing and it's inspiring for anybody out there in the industry or thinking to get into the industry. So I'm looking forward to diving a little bit deeper into your background and how you guys got here and what you guys do and to learn a little bit more about you guys. So thank you one for being on. It's tough to deal with Edgar. You guys are all in the studio there and I know you guys went out last <laughs> night. Yeah, right. right. So I feel for you. Help us out, Trust right? me, I feel for you. Edgar's a handful. He's a little over <laughs> overbearing sometimes. So I feel for you. The energy he has is unmatched. Just to let you know, John, we closed tenders last night and we looked and it was... I'm sure you did. 30, 30 minutes later, Tyler goes and he's like, I think they're closed. I'm like, I'm just, I'm not surprised. I go, <laughs> yeah. They were, I look out in the main lobby and they literally, one poor girl was up on, on top of the table, cleaning the ceiling fans, just looking, literally looking for something right. to do to not make it awkward for us to like be in the back still sure. eating. So yeah, we for did, sure. we did close it down. So Haley, sorry, we've been talking already forever. Good morning. How you doing? Okay. Good morning. Good morning. No, I'm always down to jump in on a little bit of shit talking. I'll jump right in. She fits right in. <laughs> and good morning, Tyler. Good morning. So... Haley brought Tyler out, which is her husband. So we kind of had a great time yesterday. I do have to tell you, John and Zach, they pull up, they rented a Mustang, they come in and he sees me. And the first words out of his mouth is, oh, you're not one of the guys with the beard? Bullshit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bullshit. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? And if you look at him, he's got like a little beard and he's like pointing at me like, you're not one of the guys with the beard? beard oh yeah i'm like, I'm like oh, this, sure. is, this is gonna you be a, that, this okay. is gonna be a rough day <laughs> i was told there'd be beards <laughs> yeah exactly see told you <laughs> all right guys let's get a couple things out of the way here before we get started if you guys have questions that you want answered on the podcast or instagram go to poolnation.com there's a button that says submit questions submit them there and what we will do is we will answer those for you on Instagram Live or the podcast. The other thing that we have is the nominations for the Pool Nation Awards are now closed. And next Wednesday, August 24th, we're going to do our Instagram Live at the Heritage Headquarters out here in Texas. So I want to thank SRS and Heritage for reaching out to us and offering some space out there for us to be able to do the live. So I want to thank Dan, Matt, Daniel. Tana and Lorna for reaching out and they have been awesome. So the other thing that we're going to be doing is a financial business training class on September 24th. And that class is going to be a live in-person class here in Dallas. That one is for the pool girls of the industry. 
For more information or if you want to register, go to PoolNation.com and click on the Financial Business tab, and you can register there. You can get some information. You can also send us a DM on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, and we will get you some of those details. And then the night before that, we're going to be having a networking event, and so we're going to release some of that information next Tuesday. So keep an eye out there. That'll be coming. And every week we like to give a shout out to everybody. But guys, since we have Haley today, I think that we need to do a blanket one for all the pool girls out there in the industry. All these badass women out there just killing it out there. So big shout out to all you out there. And let's get this party started. Yeah. So Haley, could you start out kind of telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I am originally from a little farming community in Nebraska, about 3,500 people when I left and grew up on the edge of town on about five acres. And I'm one of three girls, the oldest of three girls. So I always say I'm my dad's only son. <laughs> he didn't get the boys. So I was next up. Spent a lot of time growing up doing projects on that land. We actually I always say I put in my first swimming pool when I was six years old. So I saw that construction happen, got a lot of good pictures of that. Folks were always interested in construction projects. So grew up in them. Fast forward, ended up going to Arizona State University, go Devils. And the reason I went there is because I pretty much Googled biggest school in the country. And that... <laughs> that came up on the list. So I went to Palm Trees and enrolled originally in the interior design program thinking I was going to be a genius and do living spaces outdoors. See, when you're from a town of like 3,000 people, you don't know that landscape architecture is actually a thing. So I was like, I'm going to do interior design outside. I'm a genius and go through two years of school like that. And I had a studio professor kind of lurk over my shoulder when I was working on one of my projects because I was always doing you know, courtyards and homes and back patios and just trying so hard to go outside. And he leaned over my shoulder and he said, Haley, don't take this the wrong way, but why didn't you go into landscape architecture? And I turned around and I looked at him just like, what? <laughs> is Wait, that a sir. thing? And then he goes, oh my God. And he's like, after class, we're going to go talk to the dean of the landscape program. And so two years into this program, I get marched over to a completely different school and I said, this Haley, you need to talk to her. She's she's doing all these outside things, and she's an interior design major. So I double majored out from there, added an extra year to my program, but graduated with a degree in interior design and landscape architecture, double majored, and then went straight in the industry in private development and commercial. So did that gig for a while until the first recession hit. So I was about five years in the industry when the recession in 08 hit in Phoenix, and it hit real hard there. So kind of was one of the poor bastards they kept on long enough to cut my salary and cut my salary and cut my salary and make me work more hours. And then finally I jumped ship and said, you know what? I'm, I can't live off this. I'm working three times the hours for half the pay. And hand to God, I went and sold rocks for two years. I'd had a vendor that had tried to recruit me a few times when I was a designer at trying to get me to sell landscape rocks that we put on the ground in Phoenix. You guys do it here sometimes, I see. But instead of grass, we have just rocks everywhere in Phoenix. It's a desolate place. But during the recession, when people couldn't afford to put in real landscapes, they were still had to put rocks on the ground. So I figured, well, <laughs> that's, that'll get my foot in the door at a lot of design companies, at least, because I got to go schlep some rocks to people. And yeah, did uh, did that for a couple years. I promised the guy two years because I just I believe in putting in the time anywhere you go. And so 
promised him two years, but told him that selling rocks wasn't my... Not your thing? <laughs> not my... <laughs> wasn't my end Long game time. in life. Yeah, I learned a lot of humility there when I was selling those rocks because I had to take literally a little box of rocks and go back to the industry and try to beg my peers who were starving to death at the time, hey, you, you want to buy my rocks? My, my rocks are so much better than the other guy's rocks. Mine are better than yours. <laughs> like, this rock, like, I would have been huge in the pet rock industry, like in the 70s. I would have been, been a billionaire. That's kind of where I learned to market myself because obviously the product was not there. I didn't have an edge. There was no edge on rocks. So it's, it's actually something horrible. I do to people when I interview them for my company, I'll give them something absolutely worthless and I'll say, sell that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's rough, John. (laughs) Look, I think we need to take a little step in and throw a disclaimer out there and say, when Haley's talking about she's selling rocks, because I come from the ghetto where I grew up in LA, we're throwing out there. Oh, yeah. I, all I keep hearing is selling rocks, and that's all no, I'm thinking, right? Podcasting and landscape. So we're talking about landscaping rocks. You know, oh my you, gosh! Okay, you thought that too? Uh, it's the first time I've gotten that that method when I've heard that. Uh, Literal yeah, landscape rocks. rocks on the ground for dust control. No, not that kind of dust. Different. Not those kind of rocks. <laughs> landscape (laughs) yeah learned how to sell basically learned how to sell learned how to build relationships because i did not have a product that had any kind of edge or there were no marketing slicks or that helped me a lot because it gave me the confidence to go into residential design build after that so that after two years in that industry i jumped on a residential design build which is something i'd always wanted to do but i was scared to death to do it because that's a hundred percent commission format usually so after selling rocks for two years i was confident that i could definitely sell some landscape I jumped on with a company and about eight months in i became their number one contracting designer and stayed there for about eight years with that company during my stay my life changed a whole bunch i met this handsome bald guy over here while I was at that company and I found myself to be married and a mom of four kids while I was at that stay and when we had our youngest I was really starting to look at quality of life and how much I was around my family and I wasn't happy with how much time I was having to put into work and it's when you're working for somebody else especially in that commission format it's kind of like the more work you do the more work you have so really was kind of thinking about how things could be different and had been approached multiple times about why don't you do your own thing why don't you do your own thing and it just came to a head and without a whole lot of preparation I jumped ship one day not no plan at all no plan no savings no investors and I just went out on my own and that's kind of the start of lavender landscape just hitting the grindstone and going but I'm sure we'll get more into the company but who I am like Day to day things I like. I I love being outdoors. Of course, you don't get in the landscape without loving to be outdoors. Love doing things with my kids. I always say that having kids basically rewinds the clock and you get to re-experience childhood all over again. So that's fun. I've got three boys and a girl, so I function mostly as a pretty boy mom. We do a lot of dirt biking, going up into the mountains and just outside of Phoenix and camping. You'll find me doing a lot of stuff with fitness in the mornings. I like to go lift something heavier punch something hard just to get my day started. Yeah, and that's kind of me. Other than that, I am, man, I'm a forever student. I am a big old nerd when it comes to learning about business development, personal development, all those things. Like you, podcasts are my jam, so I was happy to come on here. Somebody says, you want to be on a podcast? Like, well, yes, I do. I'll be right there. I mean, that's me in a fairly large nutshell. I look at landscaping, or I mean, this is me, and 
I don't really know much, but I think landscaping, I think you're doing the backyard. You're obviously a pool is part of a backyard or a big part of that, especially nowadays. And I think a pool building and somebody who gets into building pools, I think of, well, you do landscaping too, but I'm sure when you first started, you probably didn't build pools right off the bat. At what point did you, did it click and say, Hey, look, I want to get into the pool industry also and start offering the complete backyard or, or being able to offer that to a, to a client instead of subbing it out or having someone else take over the project. Yep. You nailed that on the head. I always worked in design build and the original folks that I work for were uh, landscape, hardscape, structure, and pool builders. So they kind of full package. And you're really going to get those high quality contracts when you can do everything. Truth be told, when I left and started my own thing, the, the full name of the company is Lavender Landscape Design Company. That is our company name. That did not stay very long. I don't think I was in the business for more than about four months before I saw that I was going to be a design build. People were asking me for it. So I said, all right, I will go begrudgingly and I will take my test for landscapes to CR21 hardscapes. So landscape, irrigation, lighting, pavers, that sort of thing. So I was like, fine, I'll do that. I'll grab a crew. We'll put that in, but I'm not building pools. But every single time, if you got a client that's got the uh, desire to have a pool, the design starts right there. That is your benchmark. You design that first. First stroke on the page is a wall in the pool and everything revolves around it. So Again, about six months later, I figured out pretty quick. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be a pool builder now, too, because people are asking for that. And you cannot control the process if you don't control the pools. And then I just saw how that was going to keep happening to me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to skip just doing the pool builder license. I'm going to go straight into general contractor license and make sure that's the one that rolls into pool building. So went in, studied and got my general contractor's license. And so now, in addition to pools, we build the outdoor ramadas. Technically, I can build your casitas if I just just knew it was going to keep going down the road and I was going to keep getting asked and looped into these things. And instead of being in a consulting position where I'm trying to manage somebody who's not under my wing, it's just better to keep things in-house. So that's kind of how that happened is just I was already on site helping other a pool contractor that we might have subbed out get these things in. I'm like, ah, I'm here anyway. <laughs> so we might as well do it. And uh, yeah, so every little girl's dream came true. And I'm a general contractor. That's <laughs> pump out designs, design. And everybody's like, oh, build it too. Oh, hey, look, oh, yeah. things about construction. Can you just do that? Because I don't like my contractor. I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. And that honestly, for the last couple of years, I've been very construction heavy. It's just in what I do day to day, kind of building that team because my design, my designers that we have in house were kind of running on autopilot. They had a lot of experience and I was kind of just doing construction a little bit different. So that's how I got into it a little bit by force, but mostly by really wanting to control everything. I might have a control problem. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this, because rumors are that you are not just an owner, but you're, you've been seen in the trenches pulling wheelbarrows and doing all that kind of stuff, and that you kind of really built this company from the ground up. So can you tell us a little bit about that and in, in that process? Yeah, the rumors are true. I think there, there were a lot of days that I would just ask Tyler, I was like, baby, I need to borrow your truck. And he's like, why? I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't ask me. I just need to borrow your truck. And... <laughs> So in the early days, I was, I had one little crew and they were picking up more steady work during the week. So 
Friday, Saturday, and maybe Sundays, if I begged enough and bought enough Taco Bell, they would come out and work for me on the weekends, which means I don't get deliveries. I don't get transport, those kind of things. So I was making these material deliveries. I met a lot of people just sitting in the line at a masonry store just because you're sitting and waiting to get loaded. And then I'd start looking around and reading trucks and seeing what people did. And that's kind of how that business came up. I know Tyler had to run a lot of loads as well. Trey learned things for me and he made a lot of friends in those lines too, just hoofing it. I, I'd see the guys jamming on something and I didn't want them pulling off the work. So I would grab one of their wheel, wheelbarrows, disappear with it and come back with material and my boy Antonio would just be like, what are you doing? You're crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just need you to do what you're doing. I can do this. And yeah, I definitely got dirty several times picking up plants. We've got we got a lot of good pics and videos because, I, like I said, I've got a herd of boys. So bringing out my, he was five at the time, but bringing out my five-year-old and having him help me load plants that I'd picked up at the nursery and driving them out to site and paying him in donuts. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's not pretty. When you first start, you don't just get to just roll up and put in half a million dollar job right out the gate. Yeah, no, you're doing little poppers, little kind of what I would call just, oh, isn't she cute jobs? You know, the, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they, oh, hey, let's just give her this little side yard. Let her do that little side yard over there. Just, just, it'll be cute. And then all of a sudden, hey, that was the best contracting experience I ever had. Let's get her something bigger and bigger. And then, you just start getting a name for yourself. Yeah, but in the beginning, it's not pretty. It's that classic messy bun and dirty jeans and passed out on the couch, exhausted because you've been up since 4.30 or 5 running materials. And that's how it started. Just me, one three-guy crew on a weekend. That's it. And yeah, I have taken the siestas under a client's tree because I was so exhausted. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, taking a nap. I'm like, I want to lay down too. So, <laughs> I'm just over on my tree. They're over on their trees. I'm like, this is nice. This is nice. I was wondering why you guys are doing this. It's nice. They're laughing at me. Yeah, but that same crew to this day is still with me because mm. they call me La Pate. <laughs> so when they, it, I always get these Christmas gifts from them that they've taken a bottle of Patron and kind of added an A to it. And so they, I, I earned a lot of respect with my guys and kind of built the company from crew up not the other way around. And my crews, I went to him. I was like, hey, here's a list of things that we do. I need you to work with me and set these prices because that's what I need to charge for. And nobody had ever come to them and asked them that. So they're like, what do you mean? What do I need? I'm like, I need to know what you need. So you show up on my job sites. Like you be fair to me. I'll be fair to you. Okay. Like, and I'm going to know if you're messing with me, but let's just do this. And so they really appreciated that I wasn't haggling them and just building from the people who are actually doing the really hard work out in the field was, I think, very pivotal for the company growing like it did because I once I would get somebody, they would stay. And then you just go up from there. So you basically just went to them and said, what do you want for this to be happy? Yeah. And what's your price? Yeah. And so did they give you like, like a menu? I mean, did they just give Haley you a list? provided the menu. It's like yeah. one five-gallon uh-huh. plant. How much are you going to charge to install that? 10 feet of irrigation laid. What are you going to charge? So then Haley took it to the client. There's no haggling. And then the crews stayed with us. Like she said, the crews stayed with her, actually came from a previous company, followed her. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't plan when I left. And what I'd done at that previous company a lot was I'd show up out in the field as a designer. I had nothing. I was not supposed to have anything to do with construction. I was allowed to, but I showed up. I'd talk to the crew and say, one particular, my, like I mentioned my boy Antonio a lot and they always say he's the grumpy one, but I'd be like, why are you grumpy? <laughs> and he's like, I don't have my materials. So I'm like, what do you need, bud? And he's like, 
I need some Portland. I'm like, they sell that at Home Depot. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'll be right back. How many bags do you need? In my little SUV, and I'm coming back out as a designer with six bags of Portland, and he's like, okay. And you're the designer at this stage, not the owner. I should have nothing. No, I'm just a designer for another company, and so I start helping the guys just because they're my jobs. It's mutually beneficial for my clients to not be pissed off if something gets behind. So I was going to the stores, and then the crew stopped texting their project managers and started texting me like, can you make this happen? Can you make this happen? I'm like, yeah, but I got you. And so my jobs were going better. And so when I left that company really abruptly, it was Antonio. He texts me and he's like, where you go? Like, because <laughs> he hadn't seen me in a week. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I tell him, I was like, I left. I don't know. I think I'm probably going to start my own thing. And he just texts me one thing. It was, okay, I go with you. <laughs> I didn't ask, but all right. Isn't that yeah. awesome, John? <laughs> no, it is. And it goes to, we lose sight of the human connection yeah. and the importance of relationships in business. And we all have a funding gate of what needs to happen, but, and saying, Hey, what do we need to do? I mean, that's brilliant. And that's what you should do. Like, I need to have a clear understanding of what you need. This isn't, I'm not trying to push you out of business or try to squeeze as much juice as I possibly can out of you and work you to death. I need to know what your price so that you're happy and you're content so that I can expect what I can expect from you. That's like the funding gate, but how to take it to the next level is building that relationship with people because it's a people industry. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you're building pools, whether you're building backyards, whether you're building homes, whether you're working at the Taco Bell drive through it doesn't matter. Human beings are human beings. They know me, by the way, at the Taco Bell drive through <laughs> They know me there. I'm like 45 tacos at nine in the morning. They know me. Uh, and look, I was going to butt in a little bit early when you said Taco Bell. And I'm like, mm-hmm. out here in California, we talk Taco Bell. We feed Taco Bell to the people that, that we don't like very much because. <laughs> <laughs> they ask for it in Phoenix. I don't know what's up with that. I'm like, what do you want for lunch? Like, talk like, go get the boxes. We definitely don't feed it to our workers because they'll be in the bathroom <laughs> all day. All time. We provide portajons <laughs> on our job sites, so yeah, we provide them. They're there, John. Right. Just to let you know, yeah, she's, she's got it all figured out. By the right. way, you're not, not going to get one past this one. She's like, wait a second. So if they're going to the bathroom, average point three three minutes four times a day. I'm going to fix this problem. Porta potty. <laughs> you're it, the complete package. You're there from the very beginning and to the end. I mean, everything. You you provide everything for them. That's a beautiful thing. So what I want to get at is. I, that's how you do it. It's relationships and networking and building. And I got to imagine as a woman, it's a little difficult and we can all kind of pretend and say, oh, it's not anymore. But in a man dominated industry, it's a little tough. And it's almost like you have to prove a little bit more than the average guy because you're stereotyped. And I feel that way in my industry and in servicing pools because my wife is in it with me and she goes through the struggle every single day. So I get it. And if you don't have that relationship and you don't build that respect with the people, it's hard to really be truly successful. So it's, I'm just uh, like, I want to say that was badass. And what you're saying is like exactly anybody in here listening right now, that's how you do it. That's how you build a business. Our whole purpose is trying to help the new pool guy or pool girl getting into the industry and figuring out how they're going to be successful. And it's not just about accounts. It's not just about the dollar. It's about relationships and building those relationships with the people that you coexist with in this industry. And that pays dividends in the long run, because when you need somebody, they're going to be there for you and they're going to want to follow you like like Antonio, right? They're going to want to work for you because people work for people, not necessarily companies. 
and you want people to want to work for you and not feel like they have to work for you. Yeah. That's what it's all about is you want, you want people to know that you care about them. And there's a lot of companies out there. I saw it happen a lot that they do not care about their people. They look at them as a piece in the machine and not as a human being. And so if you can't care about both sides, you're just going to have a lot of turnover. And when you need people to support you, you're not going to have them there. So it's not just worrying about like, hey, what do you want for lunch? It's going out and noticing that there was a new guy on the crew and he did not have good work shoes or anything like that. And I go to Antonio, I'm like, go find out what size shoes that guy wears right there. He doesn't need to be in those busted up boots that don't fit him and things like that. And you go and you get him a pair of work boots and you just don't. And I wasn't even the one to give him. I gave him to Antonio so he can give him to his guy because I... Antonio's running the guy. It's like, hey, but you just do those extra little things and you pay attention to people. Like I can read people. Like I can tell when somebody's in the office and they're having a bad day, stop, ask them what's up, say, are you okay? And like, even if they say that they're fine, make a point to do a little something for them. I'm like the food person. I feel like this is a Midwestern thing. Like I fix everything with food. I'm like, hey, hey I'm going to get a sub. You want a sub? What do you want? I'm like, well, I'm going to get you a sub so you can tell me what you want or you can pick off whatever I get that you don't like. I don't care. I'm like, okay, fine. You talk about relationships and building relationships. When you walked away and you said, I'm going to start my own business, like, where do we start? Where do we get clients from? And her and I were like, well, why don't we just go through your cell phone, start texting people and previous clients ask for referrals. And because she took such good care of, her previous clients of the previous job, the is a snowball effect. Every client just started rolling in. And, well, and, and even if the they didn't have anything, taking the time, like think about what it takes for you to take the time out of your day and say, hey, there's this girl that told me that she's doing something. I don't have a project for her. I'm built out, but I'm going to find somebody for her. For somebody to go out and do that for me, like that's such a, really, that's like such an honor that somebody would take the time to go find me some business. Like, just because I took care of them at one point. And if you're looking at your phone and you're just like, e, 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 I don't want to talk to any of <laughs> these people because I, I didn't end the job, then you kind of need to look at yourself. Like, am I building these relationships? Am I taking care of my people across the board? A lot of the referrals that we got were actually from vendors, material vendors that I went in. I learned their products 10 years ago when I was in the industry. I specced them. I called them. I asked them questions. I learned. And so when I say like, hey, if anybody, if a homeowner's coming in here and they need a designer, would you mind referring me? And don't ask for anything. Don't, Tyler actually gets on me. He's like, like what? Like if you're going to give them business and they should get something back to you, I'm like, no, I'm just going to take care of them. I'm saying like, hey, if it comes up, could you think of me? Would you think of me? And then they have the confidence that I'm going to refer Haley because I know she's going to take care of this person and not make me look bad. And those are all relationships. So it's incredibly important. You got to take care of your people and you got to get the right people around you too, because it's a two-way street. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you, obviously, you're a female in the industry, and that's dominated by men. And so has that been a hard part of your business? How have you managed that part of your company? I always feel a little bit bad when I say that I just didn't think about it when I was going in, because I'd been doing landscape my whole life since I was a little kid and doing construction projects. So yeah, I'm a girl, but I almost considered it, I truly considered it a little bit of an advantage because women-owned business, you say that and we get a lot of traffic that comes in the door. It's like, hey, I saw you were a women-owned business. I thought that was really cool. So I, I want to hire you. It's actually, it was actually an advantage for me. And like every now and then you get those little talks that you get some old school guy out there that kind of try to still little woman you and like 
talk down you a little bit just because it, obviously I'm not the person that's been physically laying the blocks or shooting the gun out. But a lot of the guys that own the shows, like they were, like they came up, like started in on crew and moved their way up. Well, I started in design and worked my way up. So I never let that really stop me because can I talk, tell you stories about when I hold four tons of block to the backyard by myself. No, I can't tell you a story like that, but I can tell you that I understand these codes. I can tell you exactly how that block is supposed to be built. I can keep you out of trouble. I know your setbacks, your city requirements, your HOA requirements. And I also designed this thing, by the way, that looks awesome. So let's get some more work. So you just work with your strengths when you're a woman and don't try to be the guy. Don't do that because there's a lot of power in being a woman and you can be a strong woman and be the strongest person in the room by far. And it's not because you got big old muscles or anything. And I just used that I had that edge that other people didn't have. So I would stress to any women in the audience to consider it an advantage if you're a woman in this industry and not an uphill battle at all. You've actually got just that unique edge that's going to help you get the business that the men are going to struggle with. Like they're not going to have the women are natural nurturers and they nurture business better than men. We just do. We our ability to be caregivers is a little bit more natural, I think. So you really have an interest, not just from taking care of your business to take care of a client because you see the interactions that people have with their families in that swimming pool. And that means something to you because you're like, I'm really happy that those little kids are learning to swim in something that I built. And you'd like get the, you just, <laughs> you get sentimental with stuff. And so you care a little bit more. So I never made it hard. I think anything that you tell yourself in your head is going to come true. By the way, I was watching your face, John, as she was talking and I could tell he's like dying to jump in and say something because because I know he's passionate about this. Look, I just want to tag on that. And I had an epiphany. I really did. I really did. And You've said a couple things in this podcast so far that have... He's not like that, by the way, at all. Oh. <laughs> Zach, yeah, not John. <laughs> and I've actually written them down, and I usually don't write shit down. You just said something right now, which just kind of hit me, and I just think it was just perfect and so true when you think about it. And I guess as a man, we just don't... Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't see, and it's hard to really put yourself in the shoes of someone else who has a completely different experience simply because of their gender or who they are. I've I've gone through with my wife and her struggles and things that she's had and stuff, but what you said was just perfect and brilliant. And it's it really explains how the reason or one of the reasons why you're so successful is like you said, look, it, you're not at a disadvantage and you're not because I believe too that women bring such a, they have a different perspective and they bring something that in general men don't necessarily have. And the way you said that was just, it was just perfect. You're not at a disadvantage. If anything, you can kind of look at it like you're at an advantage because now you get to bring, you have everything we got, you get to bring a different perspective. And more importantly, those, the assholes out there that will stereotype you are the people you don't want to associate with anyways. So you get to weed out all the bastards and all the idiots in the industry because those that shun you or don't give you that, that opportunity, you already have that vision or you already get to see who those people really are. And you don't associate with those people and you gravitate towards quality people or people that are, that are on the same page with you. Winners work with winners. Leaders attract leaders. And it was just like an aha moment for me when you said that. And I love that you take that perspective because that's what you need to do. You can't be a victim and you can't say boo-hoo 
poor me. It's the game's rigged and it's against me and I'm never going to be as successful as somebody else. But yet you've taken that and said, hey, hell shit, man, I'm in an advantage here and I'm going to seize this opportunity. I'm going to use it to my advantage and be successful. So I thought that was pretty badass. One thing that uh, gives her the advantage is knowledge is power. So when you talk about stereotypes, you get the home builders or the school vendors or something like that, and they start talking with Haley and their first stereotype, if it is like, Oh, it's a little blonde girl that, you know, sells because she's a little cute little blonde girl. And then she starts talking and I'm not in the pool industry and nearly as much as she is. And I'm like, ooh, she knows like everything about everything. So knowledge is You heard power. it here first. You heard it here first, folks. My husband okay, okay. just pool, said I know everything about I'll everything. She, he said it. She, Wit- I got close. four I, witnesses. Uh, 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 can, five, can we edit that part? And nope. The, the, Keep the, that in. The problem is we streamed it live, so it's all uh, down here. Oh, it's all down but that's, here. But that is true, about everything. That gets rid of the stereotype, mm. for sure. Hey, hey John. I'm, We're going to be forever a part of your life yep, because you're going to take that clip and it's going to be played for you a group text in here. Come, we right? took your relationship to the next level. Thank to us. But by the way, John, I'm good. We can end this. So <sighs> we're, <great>. yeah, <laughs> we're sitting here, John, and we'll probably sit there and go, Hey, let's look for the little clips that we put on social media. <laughs> and I got Michael over there kind of going, I got it. I got the clip. This is what we're going to play. <laughs> Nothing about the pools. Cool it's all about, I, she knows everything about everything. <laughs> Hey guys, let's do this. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. When we come back, we will continue our conversation. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray, all day. 
Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Pivot how you clean pools. Debris that makes it to the bottom always enters from the surface. Clean from the top with Ariel, a smart solar-powered pool skimming robot. She works around the clock skimming pesky and fine debris off the pool surface. Tell your customers about Ariel and earn big commission on every sale. With advanced solutions like Ariel, you'll spend less time at the pools you service, improve customer relations, and increase your bottom line. Plus, pool owners will enjoy a constantly swim-ready and healthy pool and lower energy bills. Visit pivotpoolproducts.com dealers to see how much you can earn and for resources on how to get your customers to ditch the net for good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation podcast. We are talking to Haley Tu from Lavender Landscape. So we continue our conversation. So, Haley, let me ask you, do you remember what you charged for your first job? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> this is one of the best stories of Lavender Landscape. We talked about how I kind of went through my phone when I first started the company. Like, please help me. I, I, I had this great client who I had a previous company. I thought that I had done pretty much anything I could possibly do in his. Uh, he had about an acre and a half, Neil. Big lot. Big lot. And everything was done. I'd already designed everything at a previous company, but he lived in a community that I really wanted to get into, Paradise Valley in Arizona. And, and he's this great, at the time I think he was 74, 75, great guy from New York. And I text him first. You know, text a 75 year old, you're probably going to get a call back. But he calls me, he's got his New York accent, his like, great little business builder. It's all he. All he did his whole life. He's like, Haley, sweetheart, you went out on your own. You went out on your own. I got to be your first client. Do you have a client yet? I got to be your first client. It's like, well, Neil, I did everything at your house. There's nothing to do. <laughs> what do you want? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, yeah, you're right. My yard's all done. But you know, outside my yard, between my front property wall and the street, there's a little strip of grass. It's just a little strip of grass. And everybody walking their dog like, they just poop on it. They poop on it all day and all night. So I'm paying my landscaper to pick up poop, and I don't even have a dog. I don't even have a dog, Haley. Can you, can you get rid of this grass so I can stop paying for poop to be picked up? I'm like, this is a glamorous beginning to lavender <laughs> landscape contract. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what, Neil? I'd love to. I would love to come out and get rid of your poop problem for you. And so I went out there, and it really was just a 20-foot wide, about 150-foot long strip of grass. And but. I did it out. I did a full-on 3D, everything like that. And we did it like a zero escape with the boulders and the cactus that we do in Arizona. Some dog gets stabbed when they come and try to poop in his yard now. But it's still, it was only about 5,000 bucks. 5,000 bucks installed this project. And that was as much as I could do. And showed him the design. He loved it. Signed it right away. And we put in the job. I was literally delivering all the materials myself, begging a crew to come out on the weekends. We got it in a single weekend. He had one warranty call. I had somebody out there very next day servicing. They had a little irrigation leak, something like that. And I called to check in, make sure he was okay. And so I did, we did a great job with it. Little job, something that you could have overlooked and not taken very seriously, but we didn't. Fast forward about three months later, if that, maybe two months later, he invites Tyler and I to his Christmas party at his house. And his neighbor right next door, who had just bought the house and just moved in, had been talking to Neil about needing to do a ton of remodels. 
So got introduced to this neighbor at the party. Literally, it, Neil went over and drugged the neighbor over to me and said, this is Haley. This is who I was telling you about. You got to talk to her. You got to talk to her. She's great. You got to talk to her. She did my friend. Like, and just pushing this guy. And fast forward a couple designs later for this guy, and we signed a contract for $680,000 for <sighs> landscape remodel for the neighbor next door. So that's how quick... Things can happen. Yes, I absolutely remember my first project. I took a picture of my little down payment check. I'm like, I was like, could I get 30% down, $5,000? And then. Well, that 680 was a remodel. It was so a remodel. It didn't include a new pool. It was a yeah. remodel. It's so. chip out and new tile and added a water feature. So, yeah, 680 without shell was a huge contract. And this guy change ordered out to well over. 900,000 by the end of it. That's, yeah, we grew quick. <laughs> that is amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Now, when uh, you look, when you did the first five, that when you got that first $5,000, did you turn to Tyler and go, yes, we made it. We got a $5,000 contract. <laughs> or, you know, no, no, you I, were, I you pretty were... much told the story just like that. I'm like, well, Neil wants me to figure out his poop problem. I'd always done high end. And so I'm like, I got one. And I, he didn't do it, but he's kind of like head pat. Good job, baby. Like, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> See, yeah. I see that, and I would have thought, I was like, all right, how can I fix this? I would have done like a little electrical fence that was like <laughs> hidden, or and then gotten him a recliner built into it and a window so he could sit and watch it, or a little camera so he can see, but not to hurt the dog, but just to give the dog a little shot when he went to go, or the owner, when they stepped on his property to to do their business. Yeah, yeah. You solve people's problems. That That is the key to doing good business, and my that first problem was dog poop, so solved it. Kind of went really quick, John, Zach. It went from $5,000 and her next pro project was $675,000 more. That's how it works. But see, look, but it goes hand in hand, right? If she didn't, or if she felt that she was beyond that or above that or wasn't willing to do it, then that might not have happened. And it, it just goes with, you just never know. You just never know. And just delivering and doing, when you decide to do something or be a part of something and give it your 100% be best effort, people notice that. And our business has been built from word to mouth and from reputation of quality of work and not from advertising and doing that kind of shit. That's not where you get the money. That's not where you build wealth or you build a, a long lasting business or something very successful. And I'm sure that 680,000 and every job just success breeds success. and It creates new opportunities for you and you just never know where your next big job is going to come from. So that's so, badass. Yeah. And I want to jump in because 5,000 to 680,000, there's a wide range of things that could be done with what you're doing. What is your ideal contract look like? What kind of size of job is that? What's the, what's that look like? Data. That's Zach for you. <laughs> okay. So, so our, our average... start with initially we are design. Right. So you don't want small budget. Yeah, that. more concerned with quality than quantity. And so something that we did as a company right out of the gate was assess design fees. Um, and when you're talking about pool service industries, it's something that I might consider doing. If I had a pool maintenance company, I would definitely be really considering trip charges for initial consultations and things like that if you don't have a really solid referral. Because one thing that I saw in my industry was people take advantage of free a lot and that can really hurt your business and it can hurt your good clients because your good clients are going to pay for the overheads of people taking advantage of you and that's not cool. So I started the company doing design fees right out of the gate. They weren't a lot. So you go down the street to a large architecture company and you're paying $25,000 for a package for permits. I started with a 2500 
dollar design fee and that would get you full plan sets and everything. It allowed people to bid things out like, go ahead, cost compare me because I'm giving you my construction contract too. If you think I look good in my numbers and you hire me, I'm going to give you that design fee back. And that's something that as a pool professional, you could, a maintenance professional, you could say, we're going to do a trip charge, but I'll put it towards your first service. So you're guaranteeing yourself a shot. Instead of coming out, looking at the pool, getting a bid, like I'm going to do a trip charge, but if you decide to hire me on, I'll credit that back towards your first service. That's something that you could consider. My ideal contract that I look for is somebody who's willing to pay me for good work. That's the first. I look for quality first as opposed to quantity. Now, I know that my average contract in construction is $260,000 is where we're at for our averages. We also have a contract minimum that I don't take contracts that are under $50,000. I mean, $50,000 goes fast in construction, so it's not hard to hit. So by establishing those minimums, because I'm not the best person to serve you if you are looking to put in two trees, 10 shrubs, and a a little sidewalk. I'm not the guy or the girl. I'm not the guy or the girl (laughs) to do that. Quality of contract is what I look for first. And then that dollar value kind of just comes. And I would suggest if somebody gets into a neighborhood for maintenance and it's like, dang, this neighborhood's got these nice size pools that I can charge a certain amount of fee for, and I can just roll down the street and do these. I know there's a lot of efficiency in that. You start building those relationships really hard in that particular neighborhood. We do that for construction. I only service in Phoenix, East Valley. Like we don't go west of central unless it's just an absolute just gangbuster job it's we just don't go out there we don't service that because we're trying to keep our neck of the woods that we work in close because there's a lot of efficiencies with crews being able to hey if something goes wrong they can grab a service call on their way back home and that sort of thing so we're not all over the valleys it's not as much about the dollars as the quality for me, if you do good quality business, then those profitable jobs just come. So I think that's really important. People lose sight of, I need to do X dollars a year. And I'm like, you might want to look at like quality, location, and those kind of things first of where the dollars, like the good, where are your good profitable jobs coming from? Like look at your profit margins if you can by region, area. Like where am I doing the best? Where am I having the fewest calls from? And really identify where the profitability lies. And then you go after those numbers after that. And I'm going to build there. So that's just something that I, I put a little twist on it as far as when it comes to finances and contract size. So that's the data. I mean, it makes 100%. It makes complete sense. when you Obviously, you have to like and love what you do. And it, it's hard to really, when you're focusing on quantity or doing a lot of little jobs or this and that, just a whole bunch of it, unless you're really, unless what really gets you going is just a hustle and bustle and a bunch of just organized chaos constantly is what it is. And I guess that's your thing. But if you have a love and passion for something, then you tend to gravitate towards that. And when you focus on quality, you get to apply your gifts or your talents or your skills fully and get people get to pay for what they get. And that's why they're hiring you or hiring a certain company and they're paying a premium for it because now they're not only paying for the job, but they're paying for your passion, your work ethic, what you bring to it. It's like self-medicating for us as business owners because it helps keep the fire burning right in the belly. And because nobody wants to become complacent. And the minute you become complacent is when things start to fall apart. And when you start to lose the passion in what you do, then it becomes very evident. And not only in, in the output or the quality of your work, but also your the people that work for you that depend on you will start to see that, that you've lost that passion. So if you stay focused and you know what you like and you stick to it, 
then you continue that recipe, that playbook that you've had and what got you there and it's why you're successful 100%. I mean, we go by the same book too when we do our work. We're like, nah, nah. No, I'm not doing 30, 40 pulls a day. We're not doing all these jobs and taking it because money's one thing, but I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I don't want to walk out the door and not enjoy or lose the passion. So what's the most difficult part of managing an office and personnel? Because I'm sure you have quite the operation. Here's the part that probably kept me from opening a business the longest. The thing that I was like, no, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep being the designer. I'm going to stay in my lane and work for somebody else's. I was very intimidated about being a boss. My husband's going to fall over dead right now. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he's like, what are you talking about? But remember, you everything of everything. I do. So you're, you're, you're so good. I, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> everything. About, I, I didn't. He's looking for a, a way out, <laughs> he's guys. Like, he's, he's looking. Like, I'm he's waiting like, for my like, opportunity. I, I, I need to redeem myself I over out here out of there. I was, he's like, I can't believe I did this. <laughs> So true. But managing an office is interesting because I think it's really important. And maybe the gals in the audience will hear me when I say this. You got to remember that you're the mom of your business and everybody that works for you, you got to kind of consider them to be more like the babysitters. Okay. Like it's your job to be doing the late nights and the temper tantrums and the major stressors. That's your job. Now, those babysitters are helping you kind of raise up your business and things like that. They definitely need to care about the safety, the security, the development of this company that you have. But they're not the ones that should be. You can't expect people to have the same kind of in your gut care about your business that you do. And I think if you manage those expectations, then you're a lot happier as an employer. And then you start realizing that my employees are people and this is a job for them and I am going to nurture them as you know, the caregiver of this company, but not as the, the parent of it. It's my responsibility at the end of the day to raise up this business and instruct the people that are helping me how to do that. Like you're giving them this schedule and what's required for the business to be successful. But the little nuances that you have, how you want business to be run, you need to communicate those. Because if you don't, then they're just going to take things that they learned from their last gig and bring them into your gig, which maybe don't fit. So I think that's something that you really like want to remember is you have to tell people the goals, the end goal that you want. Definitely take ideas because if you don't take any ideas and think that I'm the end all and I make all the decisions, that's not going to go great either and things are going to get stagnant quick. Take the ideas, kind of turn them and make them your own, but you have to take the responsibility that the success of the business is up to the leader. It, that is, it is you. You're never going to be able to completely let go of the reins and expect your business to run how you want it. That's Those two things don't happen. And that, that's the main thing that I've learned with managing people, running an office, and the logistics of that is, is understand their roles and respect their roles, but be there for guidance and for direction. That's what it's all about. Now, you and I have talked and we spent some time yesterday and you know that the guys are going to go up. Oh, there goes Edgar again. <laughs> so I geek out, especially when it comes to the financial sides of businesses, because I think it's one of the things that people miss the most as they start their business. How important is the financial side of your business for you? Finances was my blind side. When I started the business, I really felt confident, obviously, in design. I could do that in my sleep. Construction, I was pretty dang good at. As long as my eye was on it, it's going to go right. Finances, that was not my thing. And I knew it and I knew it going in. 
and I have an aversion to the numbers of it, things that are out of my comfort zone, I knew enough to know that I really needed to lean into those things. So it's such a, it's not as scary as you think. And there's so many resources out there. And I know we were talking about, there's so many, if not free, incredibly affordable online courses to learn accounting 101. Like you need to understand the things, like you need to understand accounting as a whole before you can just jump in and even know what it means to balance a book. You don't, you just need to understand the principles of accounting, what can go wrong. Like what is a cash method? What is an accrual method? What sounds right to you? And I knew right out of the gate I was going to do cash method because I wasn't talented enough in finances to be able to do an accrual method. So I was going to start with cash and do that style of accounting. I learned QuickBooks. It's an amazing tool for anybody that's doing business, especially with all the QuickBooks online that they have. You can take payments on your cell phone and things like that, and it instantly go codes to a job. You can set it all up. So from an accounting perspective, you really need to know it. I did all of my accounting first out of the gate and submitted my taxes this year and nobody died. So I actually did fine. <laughs> nobody died. And they, then they didn't come and take one of your children. No, they did no, not. No, no my did. firstborn that's, is intact. Oh, so yeah, he's good. still there and I still pay him in donuts. <laughs> it's important to understand accounting in general. From there, you, oh man, nothing's going to go well if you don't sell your jobs well, if that's you don't true. price yourself well, and if you don't price for growth, because it's super cheap when you're just, when I was just the laptop in my home office, it's like, dang, this cheap. I don't have to charge hardly anything for overhead. But if you don't charge for the overhead that you want to have someday, you're never going to have it. And it, especially in the, when you're talking about ongoing accounts, like a maintenance program and a pool service program, it, what are you going to do? Like when you want to grow, you're going to go back to that client in six months and be like, hey, I need to up my prices dramatically because I only charge for myself and a stick out here. Like that's not... Like sell it where you want it to be at least in six months from now. And then new clients that you take on from there, you can walk up. In my line, because I do construction, from when I sign a construction contract, I'm probably not putting that thing in the ground to completion for, I would say, six months, right? So I need to price for six months as a necessity. So I actually look out about 12 months of where I want to be in a year for my current construction contracts. And those pricing proposals are updated every 30 days. Because I don't want to sign business that doesn't push me 12 months out ever. So it's not like I update my contracts every 12 months. New, no, it is every 30 days for 12 months out. And if you do that, then one, you're going to protect your profitability margin. you got to look at every job. you got to look at every area um, and be very aware of your profitability margin. I was so jealous when you were talking about your background. It's like, we used to look at how we did the day before, the very next morning. I'm like, oh. That? Like that's oh, what, no. I was like, no, I shouldn't oh, do that. No. My guys will hate me. Sorry, My guys will hate me. No. Twenty-five <laughs> like, lens for uh, shampoo per yeah. room tonight. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, like like rooms. Like, that's fantastic. Like, how much does a bug emitter cost? Like five cents. Great. Let's get that in the contract. You but know, that that makes sense because yesterday I was driving and when I said that, my seat went. Yep. In front, but that was Tyler yeah. that was Tyler, in the back. So he's probably you. going, stop Punching it. You. Shut yeah. up. He's like, don't. She loves numbers. Leave her alone. <laughs> but isn't that funny? Like I. I was scared to death of the financial part when I started the business, but now that's the part that I geek out on and I'm, I know what reports to ask for because it's almost like your site becomes 360 in your business when you know the financial picture. Like I can see productivity in the field. I can see time. I can see style in design. I can see quality of product coming out in design, but I can't see how are we really doing. That's where finance is actually really fun 
for me is because I can see, you can do the backwards math of what do we need to get here? That's actually the roadmap because you can only do so much in like timing of jobs, cost of materials, quality of design. You can only do so much, but if you don't know the dollars and cents of how to get where you need to be, you can't do the backwards math on how much do I need to be producing in construction? How much do I need to be contracting in design? What should we be looking for in lead flow? Because it's all math. It's, hey, I know that my close rate on a lead into design is 50%. I know that my close rate from design into construction is 75%. And then I know that my average profitability margin on my jobs is 35%. The reason that that happens is because I know, I know my finances and what we need. So, I mean, there if you don't have finances, you don't have anything. I mean, every component is very important, but could I do kind of basic level design stuff and just be slapping in pools and landscapes all day and still make a great living? Sure, I could. Construction is one of those things that could I be more basic and just not do these crazy cantilevered builds that you see on our Instagram and just kind of get in the base stuff? Sure. There is no success with crappy accounting. Like there's like you're not like if your finances aren't there, it, the doors are shutting fastest right there when you didn't watch it. I don't know. Like finances and the accounting portion are probably the most intimidating, I would think, for most of us that have kind of grown up in the field and doing those things. But I think you will find the joy in them because in the clarity is that you can see the problem. And when you can see the problem, then you can find the solution. Otherwise, you're blind and you're just like, let charge more. And that's probably not the problem is charging more. <laughs> and you don't and you don't know how much more to charge is the problem. Like when you say I'm going to charge more, you throw a number to the wall and it just doesn't stick. And I'm going to steal your 360 view because one of the things that I tell people when it comes to finances is once you learn your numbers, you change fundamentally the way that you do business. Like the decisions that you make based on knowing that profit and that profit percentage just absolutely changes the way that you do business and the way that you see things. Yeah. And the reason that you say yes or that you say no, like right. you have a because behind that. When it's like, I have somebody that will come to me and like, Haley, can we get this piece of software or piece of equipment or piece of something? I can say yes or I can say no, because I know if the thing that they're looking to purchase is going to move the needle where we've got that hole in our finances vote. So somebody came to me and we had a problem in people paying in a timely manner because I was always, I don't like, I don't like being tiny with the brass knuckles and going out and collecting <laughs> things. Like I don't, so I'm like, here's your QuickBooks invoice. Would you please pay? And people are like, meh. When I get to it, and I got guys in the field like jamming on their jobs and everything, and my accountant would be like, or like our AR is just like, ooh, driving me nuts. We got $300,000 out. Why aren't these people paying their bills? I'm like, they're happy. I don't know. Maybe because I'm not dropping a hammer. And so it, they said, like, hey, can we do something that we assess late fees after a certain point? I'm like, yes, you can, because it's solving my problem financially. Because normally that would be like, no, we're not going to be like late fee guy. But she's like, but AR. And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. So let's go ahead and add that service in to send out the reminders and the invoices. So we added a service into QuickBooks that because there's different levels. And so I'm like, all right, add it on and let's do it. And then we'll just make sure the clients know like, hey, you don't pay your bill for two weeks straight. Then, you know, there's going to be some fees involved with that. And, and that makes people jump. So yeah, it gives you conviction in your yeses and your noes as well when you know the finances and the whys of doing what you're doing. And I think a lot of people go through what you were talking about. The numbers scare them, so they shy away from it. And like you, like everything you just said, it's, you have to know what's going on with your business because it does give you that confidence to make good 
tactful, I guess, or strategic decisions that push you to the next level. And we see it time and time again. That's just a conversation that people don't want to have. And I think where they get hung up, and even myself, I'm a person that in the beginning, it was like, numbers what? And I had to force myself to go through the practices over and over. And eventually, I learned to love the numbers. And I love getting in there. And I think people tend to overcomplicate it. It's all relative. So when you start, it's not a very complex thing. And then as you grow and your business grows and you have more moving parts, then there become more moving parts with the accounting piece of it. I'm curious to know, kind of having that mindset of like, okay, I'm not into this financial piece of it, but I need to be. How did you push yourself to a point where now that you love living in the numbers and having that data and being able to interpret it? I always kind of looked at things from a standpoint of, if you don't know, then who's going to know? I just... When I started, it was just me. So there was that force. But like you said, it's very easy when it's when your business is little. So for the love of love, start when it's little. Don't try to jump into this when you're three years down the road. And now I want to understand my numbers because you just created like this giant knot at this point when you could have just started with a string and done a little bit at a time. When you're just starting out in business, everything is more forgiving from a financial and a tax perspective. People are like, all right, so you're like, this, like city and state taxes are going to be very forgiving. It's going to be very clear. There's resources for getting started in the right way. Tyler can attest that I like just want like, if I ever hear my accountant say, oh, we're cleaning up. I'm like, why was it messy? (laughs) I'm like, so you're telling me that I was paying you to make a mess and now we're cleaning up. Like, don't say a different word. Don't say clean up. Like we're doing, like accounts just like that word. Like we're doing some cleanup on. I'm like, why did you do it messy? I don't have something to do it right <laughs> the first time. Get in early as you can. Don't freak out. There's going to be somebody in the audience being like, oh my God, I'm year three. And she just told me that I'm never getting out. Just get in right now and watch one little YouTube video a day on accounting principles. There's so many classes and I'm going to have to get you something. I'm like, this is what I watched. Like here's a really good series on it's literally like some probably little cartoon infographic like, hi, I'm Mr. Money. And <laughs> coming in, you're watching this, so it's not scary. It's like, we're going to talk about cash and accrual system and <laughs> just teaching you that. Like, just be humble. Take one little YouTube video or training video a day. Commit to that. And if you if it didn't absorb in that, watch that again the next day. And if it still didn't absorb find the topic and find another video that explains it to you in a different way. I'm a very graphics person. So if it's just some dude like on the screen being like, oh, the index and whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need pictures. Can we have a picture? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, please give me some graphs and some like screen shares and things like that I can understand. Make sure that you give yourself the information in a way that you can, it's palatable to you. If you're a reader, read about it. If you're a graphics person like me, watch the videos. If you're somebody that needs somebody sitting like next to you showing something, find somebody that you trust. That's It doesn't have to be the same industry to be similar. You could find a buddy. That's a great way to get referrals too, is find somebody who does something similar to you. Like, hey, you've got a house cleaning company, something like that. Somebody's doing a service. Like, how do you do this? Can I sit with, can I buy you a cup of coffee, bring your laptop, show me what you're doing and learn that way. Find a friend, hire somebody on a consulting basis to sit down as an instructor that will teach you. Like however you learn, just bites a day and you'll be through it in two weeks. I mean, you have the tools. And then when you have the confidence and you know how to use those tools, then you can start building things. And then it gets just as comfortable as the service that you provide, as the work that you do. And it's like, hey, 
now this is what I do. Look at this cool new trick and have somebody to check you when you're trying to do these (laughs) cool tricks. But uh, then it starts becoming fun because you make a move and oh my God, that made more money. I mean, that's a really rewarding thing. Like you get better in design, you get more magazines, you get better in construction and your profitability margins go up, but you get better at accounting and there's money coming in the door for everybody at that point. And it gets very fun. It's very motivating. So I would say accounting gives you the biggest rewards. If if you're a, if you're a financially motivated person, like hang out in accounting, just hang out there and learn it. And so, I mean, that's how I grabbed it is one bite at a time and it gets less and less scary the more you go through it. Yeah, I agree. And we talk about it all the time. It's one of those where for us, we talk a lot to the service guys and it's, you talk water chemistry and at the beginning you're, you don't know, you, you have to hear it like 10 times and it's the exact same thing. People are afraid to hear the word cash flow. And once you explain it three, four times, like, okay, I get it. So it's like, you kind of have to exercise that muscle in order to do that. So tell us a little bit about land, your company, Lavender Landscape and your staff and how many people you have and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Day in the life of Lavender. We've got a cute studio. We've got a about 3000 square foot office space, then 5,000 square foot construction yard. You walk in and the office is very open concept. I found the most disgusting, amazingly roach infested space ever. It was listed online. Even Tyler, who is like captain find things on the MLS and get a good deal on it. I was like, I found this place. I think we should lease this place. And he agreed it was a good deal. And I had one condition with our sublessor who's in there with us. I was like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna rent this. And yeah, it's horrific. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to do any TI, but you're going to let me do whatever I want in here. And they said, what do you mean, whatever you want? I was like, I'm, I don't want, it. structurally speaking, I will not hurt anything that's load-bearing, but if it ain't load-bearing, it's mine to take. And <laughs> they said, well, give us a plan and let me just see what you're doing. And I was like, I would like to do this. And they're like, mm, have at it. And so it was... Me and Tyler mostly and a little bit of Antonio coming in there when I needed a bunch of guys, but knocking down walls, ripping out carpet, grinding concrete floors. So it's a really cool concept that we got to design and build ourselves. So that's one thing. It's very homey and built to lavender in there. You walk in and I've got five designers in-house outside of me. I'm number six, if you will. And they're in what we call the bullpen. They've got really open studio concept, a big collaboration tables. We've got let's see, three internal and three external construction entities. So we've kind of got your purchasing, your permitting, your ops manager that are in office. Then we've got our PMs out in the field and transport. So we got six entities in construction. So it's pretty balanced. Accounting's got two people in their little swanky office. I make sure their office is very nice. (laughs) 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 They get the really nice office. Plants, I water their plants. You guys need anything? Got enough sun? You comfortable? How's the air? They are good. How's the lighting? All right. Is the lighting good? You feel good? She's talking about the plants, not the accountants. No, I'm not. (laughs) True. That's, no, I take care of my plants very well too. Uh So our office is decked in all the house plants. Our air quality is amazing. It's amazing. Yes. (laughs) It's plants everywhere. And then we've got our graphics team. There's three people in there. Honestly, those are the most degreed people in the building. I got two, two masters of landscape architecture and a bachelor's of landscape architecture in my graphics department doing the CAD plans, the 3Ds, those kind of things. And they're, they, man, they are, they're my dream team. They work so hard in there and just understand how things are built and how things are designed. So I love getting in there and talking with them. And I've got a beautiful conference room that we, I'm pretty strict about having all of our design returns in the office. A lot of my competitors will go to people's houses and that kind of feels like carpet sales guy to me. 
So it's like, we do it, we charge for our designs. And so you're going to have our signature presentation where you've got multiple materials pulled, a 3D on the big screen in front of you. You're in a cool office space in a design studio. So that's kind of what that's like. Cute kitchen space. One thing is, I am I am not a stickler when it comes to clocking in, clocking out, and doing hours, things like that. Some managers in their departments are, like my graphics department are very st- My girl Claudia is nice and strict with her hours and everything, which is good. I, they get in there and they jam and they're very productive. But I was very conscious of saying, hey, I under- like we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about the five, five hour energies in the morning. Like you got some people that are morning people and some people that aren't. You want to grab people at their productive times. And so I'm flexible with start times. It's like, hey, it's assumed 40 hours if you're working full time. But those 40 hours are at your discretion of when you're starting and when you're going and the breaks that you need. Like they, everybody's kind of on the honor system yep. as far as that goes. It's if you got to worry about people in that way, then you got the wrong people in the building. It's like, hey, come in, do your best and then get your butt home. You know what I mean? Like hit the goals, hit the stuff. And then I am all for people cutting out early on a Friday and enjoying their lives and that sort of thing. So the vibe in the office is casual, definitely. But I try to keep a little bit of a competitive edge in our design and sales team because that keeps the you know, the lifeblood flowing in there. Construction. I always have all these different hats because I go into a construction meeting and it's just a different it's a different personality from construction to design to accounting to marketing. Those are different brained people. And so the construction department's kind of the, oh yeah, what are we going to, like, what are we doing today? Like none of this fluffy stuff. We don't need to go on like team building crap like the designers do. <laughs> like, let's just go have a beer or something. And the designers are like, can we go to Top Golf and do like, I'm like, yes, my beautiful designers, we can do team building all day long. And my accountants are just, I just want to, I want to do, let's talk about the business and about, like, they're so they're my, they're like my moms in there. They're like, let's talk about this. Here's the goals. Here's the things. And they just, we just like to talk about, honestly, we just like to talk about our families <laughs> and things like that. We're, that's my little girl squad over there and marketing. We love all things social media. So we are banging on social media. That's something that I really would encourage anybody to do is get very good at social media because you can kind of be who you aspire to be right now. On social media. That was a big thing with Lavender is when it was just me in my laptop in my home office with a crew who I begged to work on weekends, I felt like a million dollar company online. And that was the kind of business that I brought in because it's like, this is who I'm going to be. Like, as a matter of fact, this is actually who I am. I just don't have all the parts yet, (laughs) but I am this person. And then you become that person. So get very good on social media because it's your opportunity to present as the future of your company now. And I think that there are a huge amount of resources for getting good at that. I, I know you and I are always watching these videos and you know, they say the algorithms and things like that. And I think that's actually another thing that a lot of people shut down on is they said the algorithm on Instagram or social, like, I don't even, I don't even want to touch that. I don't like, I'm just going to say like, Hey, I'm on Facebook, hire me. And it's like, new. Like you got to play the game, like learn the tags, learn the, learn to do the reels, learn to just get your camera out. I have my entire office getting their cameras out all the time. If you're in construction, if you're in CAD, if you're in marketing, if you're in design, it's like, if you are on a job site, if you are doing something cool on your computer, frankly, if you're at a, at a vendor and they've got a really nice display, get your camera out, tag lavender landscape and tag that vendor, like hype people up. So that's, we don't spend tons of money on marketing at all just because we're very active on social media. 
and people want, they feel like they know us by the time they hire us. I had one of my designers go out on site and she was kind of laughing because they're like, oh my God, I've seen your, I've seen your projects on, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're really here. And my designer's like, what? <laughs> like, okay. like, oh, I'm like famous. So I'm like, I know it's because you're putting your stuff out there. So people want you. And when you actually show up, it's like you get a little bit of that fangirl thing going on. And it's, you know, you've created an image that by the time you show up is actually real. Even if it's a social media and you're kind of polishing yourself a little bit more than maybe you're ready to present to the world. They, it's all about people wanting to work with. And so that's something that we're talking about the lavender landscape and the office vibes there. People are always kind of hyping each other up. We've got one designer hanging over another designer's shoulder while they're coloring a plan being like, ooh, ah, and cheering for each other on social media too. So when my girl Cindy posts one of her designs, everybody's in there like saying, oh my gosh, I love how you did that fireplace or those step pads or like being real specific and really cheering for her. And that's what I say is like, go on there and cheer for your people. Because one, the algorithm, and two, like that makes you feel good that you got a team that you're working with and people respecting your work and being proud of you. And um, that's, that's just kind of what I try to instill in the office is that I never say family, <laughs> your family's at home, but that team environment that you're cheering for each other, like, like a sports team, and you're building each other up. Family's at home, but you got your team at Absolutely. That's great. By the way, that happens to John a lot too. We go places and because of his social media. Everybody's like, oh, that's John. <laughs> oh, shit. And then, who's that that's with you? The guy without the beard. Who's that? <laughs> the beardless <laughs> it's man. The beardless man. <laughs> John, I couldn't resist. You're just sitting up there right. watching every, every it. Chance, <laughs> every chance you can get, you're going to take a jab at me. You're like the worst at social media. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> So let me ask this. We're kind of starting to run out of time here, but I did want to ask this final question here, and that is, what advice would you have for females that are getting into the industry and doing what it is that you do? It's a two-part answer. I w you just said females that are thinking about getting in the industry. For the love of God, <laughs> stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. You got to stop thinking about it. That's where, like, so many good ideas go to die in your brain. There's... Liam, our youngest, was 14 months old. Well, we have four kids, and the money that I was bringing in at my day job was over half of our income, and I quit cold turkey, okay? There's never a good time. There's no, And frankly, if you happen to start in a bad time, you're probably going to move a lot faster <laughs> because you can't stay. Like, I couldn't stay. I didn't have the option to fail. Like, that they, like I might temporarily fail, but I had to get back up, and I had to get back up. If you start... A business where you start pushing, leaning into your business at a time that you're comfortable. What's the motivation? What's the yeah, you're comfortable. Why are you motivated to do like you're not? Like be a little bit scared when you go. Like that's actually a heavy motivator. So don't please, especially for moms out there, there's never gonna be a good time. We keep thinking that like, oh, when the kids aren't so little, well, then they're gonna be in activities and you're gonna be doing that stuff. It's not gonna get easier. And then you're gonna look back and you got your kids in the house for 18 years. You take 18 years waiting to make a decision that, I mean, it, you could have been taking baby steps the whole time and you find yourself way ahead of your peers. So don't wait, get out there and just do it. Just go. And if you screw up, stand up and go. The next thing is once you start going, you have to be able to pivot. Don't be an over planner. Don't be so rigid in your plan that I made this plan. This is the plan. We're going to execute the plan. There's going to be parts, I promise, 
There are going to be parts of your plan that do not work. They're not going to work. And that is okay. You identifying that they're not working is where you're going to really excel. You have to identify the problem early, identify the solution, and pivot to it. You have to be able to pivot. Again, started the business, one-year-old baby and three other kids, and six months in, because Lavender Landscape only started in May of 19. So about six, seven months in, the world ended and COVID hit, okay? Like, you can handle anything. You really can. We had just... How many months were we in in our lease when COVID hit? Like four months into the lease at like a co-working space? Yeah. Yeah. We were in a co-working space that was because we were supposed to be just a design studio. So they shut down the entire office and we couldn't go to it. And they were still charging us rent. Couldn't Couldn't bring bring clients. clients, Couldn't do anything. And and they're still trying to charge us rent. And rent was not cheap there. I think it was almost four grand in rent. And we couldn't go. We couldn't use it. Then came the cockroach. And then came the cockroach place. And we turned it around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the cockroaches were going to survive the pandemic no matter what. So I was like, well, I'm going with them. But you just have to be able to pivot. And while I wanted to be in this shiny, fancy office building and be a design company, I realized, well, you can't, Haley, deal with it, pivot and do it a different way. And we did. And every single time that we pivoted to kind of go with the current, not against it, it served us well. You don't want to be using all of your energy fighting something that isn't working. Use your energy towards what is working and then fix the things that aren't so you can just keep going forward. So be very versatile and be a quick decision maker. Like when there's a problem, don't be like, no, there, there is no problem. It's over here and I don't see it. I'm just going to focus on the pretty things in my business. And this thing is, it'll be fine because all these other things are fine. And it's, no, it's not. You have to look at the thing and get rid of it very quickly because little problems turn into big problems, turn into monster problems that they only get harder to fix the longer that you wait. So those two things, make the decision now, get off the fence and just do it. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to screw up. You're going to fall. You are going to fall. You are going to fail. You are going to have some sleepless nights. But if you keep getting up and keep starting again, it's the same energy to start as it is to keep going. And it gets easier to push through that. So do that. And then once you're going, be prepared to pivot as you go. Those two things are my major advice pieces for not just women, that's anybody in business. But I think women have probably a little bit more, more big picture stuff as far as like, we feel really responsible for families and marriages and keeping all those balls going, but you can handle that a little bit at a time. You can handle it. It doesn't have to be all in and I'm giving up on my family if I go for my career. Like, no, it's a balance. Like, does anybody ever say that to a guy? Like, if you guys have kids out there, does anybody, they're like, oh, I got four kids and nobody goes to the guy and be like, oh man, I don't know how you did that business with four kids. (laughs) How'd you do that? Nobody says that to him. (laughs) Nobody says that to him. I'm like, why aren't they saying that to him? Like he does as much parenting as I do. And it's just this perception that women have to have all of these responsibilities. And if they grab onto a business idea, then they're letting go of these somehow. Like, you know what I, you, you know what I gave up doing laundry eight years ago and I hired somebody to do that. I did not give up the raising my kids and playing with my, I don't do laundry and I'm not, I do not clean toilets. Like I hired, I pushed that stuff out. So yeah, I gave up on those girl type responsibilities. I give that up and keep the kids and the family and all that kind of stuff. Like my kids are not going to be emotionally scarred because I never folded their underwear. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. I don't even believe in folding underwear. Who does that? You do that. 
You do, uh, don't you? I, you I fold do. Your Edgar underwear. irons. I, I, I know it's Edgar. Edgar Edgar's fold underwear. He is. No, he irons them too. Starches it. That's why I didn't get that early <laughs> last night. He's uh, like tuck, tuck, fold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I won't even go in there. Tucks and folds. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Let's take our final word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll get some final thoughts. The Hyperpole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open fleet spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Pivot how you clean pools. Debris that makes it to the bottom always enters from the surface. Clean from the top with Ariel, a smart solar-powered pool skimming robot. She works around the clock skimming pesky and fine debris off the pool surface. Tell your customers about Ariel and earn big commission on every sale. With advanced solutions like Ariel, you'll spend less time at the pools you service, improve customer relations, and increase your bottom line. Plus, pool owners will enjoy a constantly swim-ready and healthy pool and lower energy bills. Visit pivotpoolproducts.com dealers to see how much you can earn and for resources on how to get your customers to ditch the net for good. Welcome back, everybody. We're sitting over here goofing off. I'm trying to give signals to John over 
over the, I, I almost said over the radio, John, over the video here. And, and that was tuck and fold, dude. Tuck. Oh, yeah. And then fold. I mean, well, I guess not. Never mind. I just did well, it. I, 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 it made I sense. Was, it made no sense. Else. <laughs> so anyways, guys, we wanted to come back. And Haley, I really wanted to take the time to thank you, A, for taking the time to come out to Dallas and spend some time with us and come into the studio. Absolutely. I think you are amazing. And Tyler did not forced me to say that. Um, He paid me off right now. And he said, can you put a word in for me and edit that part out (laughs) of the podcast so that she doesn't know? Knows everything (laughs) about everything. But thank you. (laughs) But listen, it's been great getting together with you. And one of the things that I love about us and being able to do the podcast is we're able to always kind of network, get together with people that are strong in the industry. And we always kind of learn things from strong people. And those are the things that we try to copy and do with everything that it is that we do. And I had talked to people and they said that you were very successful and it's very crystal clear why. Like you're very determined, you're very focused. When you see something, there's that laser focus to it. You're very driven to really taking care of your people, to diving into those numbers. And it's just the complete recipe for being successful. And for the other women that are out there, you got to listen to this podcast. And I suggest if you have questions, reach out to her because she's just that type of a person that will take the time to help other people in the industry. So anyways, I want to thank you for your time. Tyler, I want to thank you for coming out. And I promise you that I will try to grow out a beard by the next time that you see me so <laughs> that luck. you don't think Good I'm uncool. It's taken Tyler five years to get as far as he's gotten. So, uh, it takes That's all. Oh, so he's like me, John. He's <laughs> yeah. like me. He gets the yeah. four little hairs right. Yep. No wonder he was bashing on me. That makes sense, yep. John. So yep. anyways, guys, we will catch you all next Wednesday on our Instagram Live when we have the nominees for the Pool Nation Awards. Everybody have a great weekend. Bye, guys. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for, PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry, a pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com.